y'all doing? How y'all doing today? Welcome back to the Rambling Mind Podcast with your boy, Kelechi. How are y'all doing today? I hope y'all are good. I hope y'all are ready for the weekend. And more importantly, I hope y'all are ready for the end of a decade. We're like 20-something. Nah, we have to be 19 days to it now. Yeah, we're about 19 days. No, 20 days till the end of a decade. I don't know why I said 19. No, it'll be 19. It'll be 19 days to the end of the decade because it's the 12th or... Yeah, it'll be the 12th when you listen to this. And so, therefore, 19 days to the end of a decade, man. Like, oh, whew. That's, that's dope. That's dope. I'm going to be seeing another decade. Thank God for everyone who's listening to this. That's going to be entering the decade of the 2020s. Ugh. What is something that stands out to you about the 2010s? I don't know. For me... One of the things that really stands out to me about the 20 things is just how much technology advanced so much. It was like, I remember in 2008, starting to kind of use YouTube a little bit and how YouTube was basically just 144p videos and 240p videos. And then by 2010, 2011, when I was going into college, YouTube started being like a thing where I was like, I want to make YouTube videos too. And I started making gaming videos around that time. Well, 2012 was when I started making gaming videos. And now people are able to make careers out of YouTube. It's just crazy. That's literally... How many years is that? That's seven years ago. And now people are literally making careers out of just uploading videos to YouTube. And the quality of videos on YouTube has just exploded. This is just an example. Or think about how... Twitter was just kind of starting off, but it wasn't really there. And now Twitter is massive. Instagram just kind of popped up in, I think, I want to say 2012-ish. Probably, no, it's not 2012. It was probably around 2010-ish. Twitter popped up. No, Instagram's popped up. And now Instagram is the biggest uh, social media platform minus Facebook. And then now we have TikTok, which is taking over everything, as we've talked about in the past. And there's so many different things, so many technologies. I think about smartphones. I think about when smartphones really, really started getting going. I mean, in 2000 and I remember 2010, the droids were still a thing, like we're still like the best type of Android type of phones. I remember I had a Toshiba tablet, a Toshiba Android tablet. That thing was terrible, but I loved that thing. It was my first smart device in all, all sense of any, anything. I remember BlackBerry was still very much a thing back then. I had a BlackBerry Pearl, but iPhones were starting to take over everything. I don't know what year iPhone came out, but shortly after the iPhone came out, it kept on getting better and better and better. I remember in 2011, I think that was the year iPhone 4 maybe came out. No. Must have been the iPhone like three. Yeah, iPhone four around that time. And it was like the greatest thing in, compared to anything else. It was just the design was beautiful. The processing was beautiful. It was just it was just a good device. And then in 2012, I got my first smartphone. 2012? Yeah, 2012, 2013. I can't remember exactly. That was the year I got my first smartphone. And it was a HTC One M7. I still have that phone to this day. 
I, man, I loved that phone. I loved that phone. I learned so many things. That got me into tech, a lot more into tech of me paying attention and watching reviews and watching all kinds of tech videos because it was between the HTC One M7 and the Galaxy, I want to say S4 at the time. And I was trying to decide which one am I going to get? Which one am I going to get? And uh, I went with the HTC One M7 because of the clean design that it had versus the Galaxy, which Samsung still does the same type of thing. On At that point, it was Touch Wiz, and now it's the simple UI or one UI that they have on there, which is a whole lot better than what they had in the past. But yeah, like technology has gone so much further. Like now, back then, smartphones, you basically just used it for like simple things. Now people use their smartphones for everything. Like people don't even have laptops. People don't have computers. They just use their smartphones for everything because smartphones are that powerful nowadays. So just, I'm just thinking like just how much tech has changed over the years. And then during that time period, of course, we've seen electric cars get better and better. We don't have trash electric cars anymore. Tesla has really changed the landscape as far as that is concerned. And so it's just interesting to see the just the way everything has changed uh, and just to see how the world has changed. I mean, the different amount of payment platforms that we have now, uh, the ease of transferring money to one another in different ways, in different forms. Amazon Prime has exploded. I remember when I was in college, Amazon Prime was basically for you to get your textbooks on time or to go to class and then determine if you actually need to get a textbook. And then if you actually do, you get on Amazon and get that textbook right on time for class. So uh, it's just interesting to me just how everything has changed. It's just the world has changed so much in this last 10 years. Computers have um, have um, have improved to unbelievable levels. Uh, even gas-powered vehicles have gone to this levels of their gas mileage that you can get on a truck is about 30 miles an hour. That's something that you would have never thought about in the past or on an SUV or things of that sort. So it's interesting just in the last 10 years where we were and where we are going and where we are right now and just comparing and looking back and saying, wow, things have really changed. Think about gaming. I remember gaming was still very much like a subsect thing. Like I remember I used to hide the fact that I did YouTube videos. I did gaming YouTube videos from people because it was kind of embarrassing talking about, yeah, I record my voice and put it on YouTube for videos. Like I didn't really want to tell anybody that stuff. Now people talk about watching live streams, watching YouTube videos and that kind of things all the time. It's just crazy to see just how much things have changed in the last 10 years or nine years next year over 10 years but it's just crazy to think about that it's really something it's something special i guess just thinking about what has happened in the last 10 years as we go into a whole new decade and then even for me just thinking about like in the last 10 years i was in high school and then i graduated high school then i went to college then i graduated college and now I am not in college. <laughs> now I'm a single dude living by himself and having to go to work every single day. So that's just, it's interesting just how things have changed in the span of 10 years. How TV is no longer like the main thing anymore. TV is just kind of like a side piece. It's kind of like a side 
hustle, in all honesty. And streaming is now the wave, is now the wave of the future. Everybody needs a streaming platform. And so it's just, it's, it's just interesting how the world never stops moving. It's always moving forward. Things are always changing. We didn't even talk about how AI is a thing. Machine learning is now a thing. AR, augmented reality, virtual reality, all these kind of things that at one point we thought, wow, we used to see it in movies and now it's becoming reality each and every day. So 10 years went by and things changed super fast. And we're going to go into another decade of another 10 years and we can definitely expect things to change extremely fast again. Because as technology advances, as we improve as a people in understanding technology, things are bound to change even faster, especially with the help of AI, with the help of uh, quantum computing and those kind of things. We can definitely expect for things to change even that much faster. So anyway, that's just my little my little uh, sentimental moment of trying to think of things that have changed the last 10 years that have stood out to me. What is something that has stood out to you? Let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter. Again, my Twitter is Kelechi Waba, which is K-E-L-E-C-H-I-W-U-A-B-A. And it's the same handle for Instagram as well. So hit me up on either one of those and let me know what is something that has changed in the last 10 years that you're like, wow, I didn't expect that to change in the last 10 years, but, or just something that stood out to you, the fact that it has changed in the last 10 years. But anyway, let's get into some topics for this week. Let's talk about some business stuff. So a question a lot of economists are asking and a lot of business people are asking, well, mainly economists are asking is, should the government step in to create innovation cities? So why is this question coming about? What exactly are they talking about? Well, a study was done by the Brookings Institute, and the Brookings Institute is a group that does a lot of research on metropolitan policy, does a lot of studies on governance, and does a lot of uh, studies on economic development and global uh, global economic development. Basically, they do a lot of studies on economics of different cities and how and if they grow or if they're taking a loss and see how and what is causing that growth or that loss and those kind of things. And so a recent study that they did showed that cities that are already winning are going to continue to win and cities that are already losing are going to keep losing. There is no catch up. Basically, this goes against everything that is the typical economic reasoning. The typical economic reasoning states that if there will always be a point of equilibrium where things will fix itself, where the economies of a city is, or not a city or of country as a whole will eventually fix itself when the time is right or when things need to balance itself out. The economy will self-correct and that is not playing out the way economists expect it to. So what exactly am I talking about? For example, if someone lived in New York and has to cook and shower in the same spot, eventually that person should get tired of living in a place and paying such high rent and still having no room to maneuver in that space. And that person will want to move to another city. Think about them moving to a city like Buffalo. But that's not happening. People are not moving to other cities even though they are being frustrated within one city. So what exactly has taken effect is the fact that 
cities that are already tech or innovation hubs are just becoming more and more of innovation hubs where other cities keep losing out to them get whether it's getting businesses whether it's getting opportunities they're just not getting any of those looks rather everyone flocks to those cities that are already innovation hubs and the question is why is this happening well the real reason is simple cities big tech cities like seattle san francisco already have the skill set of people there and because it already has the skill set of people there companies flood to those cities and because companies flood to those cities new workers also flood to those cities like new talent from school also flood to those cities because they know that they're going to get an opportunity to find a job in those cities and so therefore when no skill work is in that area a business is not going to want to go invest in somewhere that it says you don't have the skill set that i need in order to run my business and then on the other side because businesses don't go to cities like those no no people with the skill set is going to go to those cities and so therefore it's this cycle that just it's a self-fulfilling prophecy essentially where it's hard to break that cycle and so the question that brookings institute asks is how do we break that cycle how do we force for there to be a change so that we can see more innovation rather than we see keep saying the same type of innovation keep happening and so the question is why don't we have the government actually invest in different cities they're saying that the government should spend about 700 million dollars over the next 10 years on 8 to 10 cities that they choose to boost their R&D centers now the question is is this a good idea but Brookings already has comebacks for that as well they say if you look at it if you look at it they already do something similar in North Carolina they have developed an R&D center there they helped boost that R&D center by investing in that R&D center so they're saying why not do that in more places across the USA and they're also saying that one of the things that can be beneficial from this is if you look at other industry that is affected by the fact that innovation tech hubs move to very little areas. If you look at a city like San Francisco or Seattle, the cost of living has skyrocketed because of these new tech companies that move to these cities. And so it's pushing other industries and other services that are needed is pushing those people further and further out of those cities because they can't afford to live in those cities. And so it's affecting the services that is being able to be, to be provided in those cities and so by expanding out it helps those other in other markets drop down the housing market can self-correct and then you can see other cities start growing as well and also it helps to kind of remove the echo chamber mentality that we've come to have in tech hubs like silicon valley and places of that sort where it feels like the same type of ideas are being used over and over again by having other innovation hubs you're able to create more different ideas from different perspective with people with different background that don't just go to the to to the same one spot to try and develop an idea so it's something it's an interesting take possibly something that most people are going to be like that's a waste of money but i think it is a good idea generally let me know what you think do you think it's a good idea for the government to invest and create some new innovation hubs in other to grow to grow other research and development centers all right so this one is just a short quick i 
quick thing that I just wanted to ask y'all. It wasn't really a story. It was more of something that I read somewhere. And it's something that has been going on with all the presidential debates that's going on right now. And it's an idea that I've been seeing consistently with every single Democratic um, their Democratic uh, candidate that's running for president. And it's basically the idea of higher taxes if you make more money. Now, of course, they're saying that they're targeting the extremely wealthy. But my question is, do you think that the extremely wealthy or people who make more money should be taxed more? Not saying that they, uh, that they should be taxed at a different percentage, but I'm saying, well, basically I'm saying, should they be taxed at a higher percentage than everybody else just because they make more money? Because some of the Democratic <laughs> candidates have said they will tax the rich at a 70% clip. That's that's a little that's too much or even taxing them at a 50% clip. I'm over here complaining because they be taxing me at like a 40 something percent clip. Like that's high. That's an extremely high rate of of tax anyway. So I'm just saying I don't think I personally don't think it's the best move that just because somebody makes more money that they need to be taxed more. Of course, they're all saying that with the taxes that they get, they'll be able to boost the economy. They'll be able to remove pressure from the middle class and they'll be able to like help create programs and all that good stuff. But a lot of the time when somebody taxes you more or from what we've seen in the past from when the government taxes more, it ends up not ever being used in any way that I want it to be used for or in any way that ends up being useful, period. And so it just taxing people just because they make more money to me doesn't make sense like just because somebody makes a million dollars a year doesn't mean you need to tax 50 percent of what they make like that doesn't make any sense like people should be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor they should be able to now i'm not saying they shouldn't pay any taxes but they should be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor i think what should be done is for you to enforce for people to not just be able to avoid taxes. That's the real problem. If your tax rate is 20%, make sure the people are paying their 20% rather than creating all kinds of loopholes that people are using to avoid the taxes. It's not increasing the taxes because people are always going to find a way to avoid them. It's fine. It's actually making those people who you're trying to tax 70, 80, whatever percent that all I've been hearing from all these democratic candidates it's not going to work because they're still going to find loopholes to make sure that they don't pay those taxes what you need to do is to find ways to make sure that these companies these major enterprises actually pay their taxes actually pay their federal taxes it's interesting to note that amazon doesn't pay any federal tax google apple all these companies they don't pay federal taxes because they find loopholes to avoid paying those taxes that's the focus it's not increasing taxes because if you can get that revenue that is not coming in anyway that will make up for the fact that you think you're going to be taxing people at a higher clip and be able to recover those funds no go after the people who are already avoiding taxes like actually those are that's where you need to be looking not looking at taxing other people at a higher clip anyway that's just a side thing that I wanted to put out there. It wasn't a story or anything. It's just something I've been noticing from every single Democratic candidate wants to tax everybody at a higher clip. And it's just like, yo, that's that's not it. That's not it. People people who are already avoiding taxes, 
are still not gonna pay taxes even if you tax them at a higher clip they will find a loophole and avoid the crap out of those taxes they just will it's what they do they're already avoiding the 20 percent tax you think they're not gonna avoid the 50% tax you put on them or the 70% tax you put on them, there's always, they're going to find the loophole. What should be done is to find ways to close those loopholes. So my final story for the day, Apple and Facebook enter the ring and are fighting against the US government. Now your first reaction may be, well, yeah, we know this, like we've been talking about how the, like the US uh, attorney generals and all the senators and everything are going to trying to figure out if it's an antitrust issue with Microsoft, Google, Facebook, and all these companies that they're all trying to sue these companies and see if they want to split these companies. Yeah, I, I understand. It's like, we've talked about this in the past, but this time it's a little bit different because I only mentioned Apple and Facebook. And usually whenever we have one of these situations, we'll think Facebook because Facebook has had a bunch of issues in the last year and nobody likes Facebook and Facebook has had to go to court so many times. Apple on the the other hand is kind of like the government's darling. They're the good kid. It's like when two kids get in trouble and like, and you're like, oh my gosh, do you have the one kid that's always in trouble? And you're like, oh, what did he do? What did he do now? And then you have the other kid that's in trouble and you're like, hold up. What you mean Apple's in trouble? Like, Apple never gets in trouble. Nah, y'all messed something up. It can't be. Apple definitely didn't get in trouble. Like, Apple never does anything. Facebook, I get. Facebook, that's just, that kid's just bad. That's just a bad kid. Like, he always gets in trouble. He always trying to do something extra. I get it. He in trouble all the time. That's fine. But Apple, though? Apple never gets in trouble with the government. Well, they are in trouble for one reason and the only reason they're in trouble is because they're trying to protect your privacy as you know apple is big on protecting privacy and facebook is trying to get to the point where they're big on protective privacy after all the privacy issues that they've just had facebook is really trying to fight that we care about your privacy we promise we really do care about this thing and so they're trying to wave the privacy flag and everything and basically the the whole issue starts with the fact that the government was asking apple and facebook to provide a backdoor access to their encrypted services so in case you don't know every text message you send or every message you send on any messaging platform is open for the government to see and for them to have a little uh, like if they really care about what you're doing they'll be like oh oh this mr kalichi sending a message let's let's see what he's saying today if they think you're a, a threat or what for any reason they'll just tap into your phones and see what messages you're sending so the government is used to and law enforcement is used to having that easy access to any of those messages until two message platforms came about that allow end-to-end encryption. One is iMessage. iMessage allows end-to-end encryption, which is one of the benefits of having an iPhone. It's that end-to-end encryption. They make sure that nobody can see what you're sending, only you and the person that you're sending it to. And two, WhatsApp. WhatsApp is big on encryption as well because it services a lot of third countries, that third world countries that those governments would really love to get into those those encryption services and so whatsapp has always had end-to-end encryption it brought it in i think i want to say 2014 was when they really started pushing that and now 
uh, Facebook is trying to put that, I think they said over the next year, they're going to implement that into their Facebook Messenger as well as also Instagram messages as well, Instagram direct messages as well. And so if they're implementing it into those two services as well, the government is not very happy. Law enforcement does not like dealing with that. It's not like law enforcement still can't get access to it. It's just the fact that law enforcement now will have to really have to go get a warrant, a search warrant to actually have access to that information. If you remember in the past, Apple had a case with the FBI where the FBI was trying to get backdoor access into a phone for some reason because there was some issue that was going on and Apple was like, no, we're not going to give you a, a backdoor access to that phone. And it was a big thing. They took the, they took Apple to court. Apple won the case. But anyway, they still got the warrant so that they can get into the phone. Anyway, that happened in the past. So this is just plain more of that where government officials are saying, yo, Apple and Facebook, you guys are helping criminals commit crimes. Like by not opening this, giving us this backdoor access, you're helping criminals commit crimes. And then Apple is saying on the other side, look, you guys think that this backdoor access is only going to be accessible by the good guys. That's not true. Anything that is accessible by one party is definitely accessible by the other party. And so their standpoint is we might as well lock everybody out rather than having it open, just leaving it open than the possibility of somebody hacking into the system through a back door that we gave to you, which we know not everybody who works for the police is a good guy. We know not everybody who works for government officials is a good guy. And so giving that backdoor access to them is a way that easily anything can happen. And so Apple is of the mindset, we would rather uh, protect our customers. Apple and Facebook are of the mindset, we would rather protect our customers than give law enforcement this easy backdoor access to the phone or backdoor access to their messages. So I applaud Facebook on actually standing up and saying, we're not doing this. And I also applaud Apple for standing up and saying, as far as we're concerned, these two messaging platforms are not going to remove encryption. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the end, because we know it's not it's just going to end with this first time out. They're going to keep talking about this and talking about this, and we'll see where that gets in the end. But anyway, that's all I have for y'all today. A quick little episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all learned something something new today we first talked about reminiscing about the last 10 years and i asked you the question what have you seen in the last 10 years that has been really something of note to you that has changed in the last 10 years and then the second and then we started talking about different topics starting with the fact of asking should governments actually try to boost uh, r&d development research and development development in different cities and try and create cities that compete against the top cities that already have tech hubs? Should they do it? Should they spend over $700 million to try and boost those cities? And then I asked you, should wealthier people pay a higher percentage of tax just because they're wealthier? I say no, because that's not the solution to that. That's not the solution to the tax issues that we have today. And then finally, we talked, we just talked about Apple and Facebook going up against the, uh, the government and saying, no, we will not create a backdoor access to our end to end encryption messaging service. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all are ready for the weekend. I hope y'all have a good weekend. 
we just had a crazy cold front that just blew through i don't like it i just finished playing soccer outside it was cold but once you start running around it gets a little better but it was still cold i don't like the cold like that but you know we back and it's cold it's winter time what do you expect but the good news is it's almost christmas and i love christmas time thank god for jesus who he gave to a broken world we did not deserve that gift but jesus came and died for our sins and we are grateful at least i'm very grateful for that but anyway that's all i have for y'all god bless y'all and peace